0: Hi, you're listening to All Things ADHD Podcast. I'm your host, Alondra Perez. Today, we're going to be focusing on the cultural impact on ADHD symptoms and discussing the best treatment options in Latino youth. My guest today is Dr. Lauren Hack. Welcome, Lauren. Please introduce yourself and discuss some of your work with us.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, My name is Dr. Lauren Hack, and I am an associate professor and clinical psychologist at UCSF. And I have worked uh, in the field of childhood ADHD uh, for over 10 years and have a specific passion for looking at how Latinx families understand ADHD and how we can best tailor services to meet the needs of those families.
0: So to start off, what are some common symptoms of ADHD?
1: So it's important to know that symptoms for any mental health disorder are basically behavioral descriptions that folks have said, this is what ADHD looks like in a child. For ADHD, we see symptoms of inattention, so a hard time focusing, um, a hard time getting distracted by other things, a hard time finishing tasks once they've started. And then the other cluster of symptoms with ADHD that some children have and some children don't are hyperactivity and impulsivity. So the child being very overactive, fidgeting, leaving their seat, answering questions before they've been completed, or doing behaviors without thinking through their consequences.
0: And how about within the Latino population? Are the symptoms the same?
1: This is where the nuance of what symptoms are comes into play. Basically a group of psychologists and psychiatrists decided these are what symptoms of ADHD are that are going to, you know, define the disorder. So the actual symptoms shouldn't differ across culture, but what differs is what symptoms or what behaviors folks think are concerning and that they notice. What we see is that inattention tends to be pretty universal. So Latinx families, just like Caucasian uh, US families tend to recognize that the child doesn't pay attention when people are speaking to them or they might not follow through on tasks or directions. Where we see some nuance is with the hyperactivity symptoms. Many Latinx families do not recognize behaviors of being overactive or fidgety as problematic. So even though the child may be displaying that higher level of activity, Latinx families might not see this as a problem, and they might instead see this as just a part of their child, the way that God made their child. So that's where, again, some of the nuance comes in about what is a symptom, who decided that's a symptom, and how we might recognize it differently based on our background.
0: Okay, so it seems like there aren't many differences specifically with the symptoms, but maybe more on how families view the behavior. So I was wondering how prevalent is ADHD among the Latino population, and are the rates different from other racial
1: and ethnic groups? So this is a a similar answer. The actual prevalence of ADHD is not going to differ across any cultural group, and You know, our culturally sensitive research is showing us that this prevalence hangs around 5 to 15 percent of any given youth population will experience ADHD. However, because of the differences in how folks recognize ADHD symptoms that I talked about earlier, we see that ADHD is underdiagnosed in Latinx youth compared to middle class Caucasian youth for example.
0: So you mentioned how it's, it's underdiagnosed and then you also mentioned how there are different views within the family on behavior. Is there a cultural impact on Latino children and families when having
1: ADHD? Some cultural values that are common in the Latinx population that can impact how we view the symptoms of ADHD are family smell, and personalismo and respecto. So in traditional Latinx values, families tend to value the family cohesiveness over individual achievement, and they tend to view warmth and personal connection as very important. They also tend to view respect to authority and education as very important. So if we take these values into account, what this can sometimes look like is families not recognizing those hyperactive impulsive symptoms as problematic, but again, instead that's just part of their child, that's just the way God made their child. Where we tend to see more universalities in ADHD recognition is if we look at the impairment. So how are these symptoms of ADHD actually playing a role in that child's everyday life? Is the child having a hard time with their schoolwork, right? That tends to be universally recognized and align with Latinx cultural values. How does this child get along with their family or getting along with their friends? That also tends to be more universally recognized.
0: Are there any issues with stigma?
1: Well, there are issues with stigma and ADHD in every community, I would say. However, we do see that this is particularly pronounced in certain Latinx populations. So mental health stigma is particularly prevalent in Latinx populations, um, oftentimes families that I've worked with have said that if their family knew that they were coming to seek psychological services, they would think they were crazy or they would think was they were loco or there was something wrong with them. There's also a stigma related to ADHD that these children are exhibiting these problems because they're bad, they're naughty, and that they as parents have failed. And so there's a lot of stigma with seeking help for these behaviors because of why families think ADHD occurs. Where does it come from? And so because it tends to be recognized as a failure of the parenting or family system or a failure of the child, they can be less likely to seek help than if we are to think about ADHD as a biological disorder. That isn't your fault. It's just the way that your brain works is a little bit different.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if the stigma related to not seeking services, is that in any way related to the underdiagnosing of ADHD that you mentioned?
1: Absolutely. So because there's more stigma, because there may be more hesitancy to seek help for these disorders, we're also seeing these disorders less recognized, right? So whereas a family who's not, having so much stigma or hesitancy, they might go straight to their pediatrician or their school counselor and say, hey, I think there's something going on here. We should get this looked at and they'll receive an ADHD diagnosis. Um, Families who are having more stigma or Latinx families, they may be more likely to seek help from, from the church, for example, or from their family, rather than going to, say, a doctor or pediatrician or psychologist or psychiatrist.
0: Can you speak on gender roles and family values and how this can have an impact?
1: Absolutely. So in the work we've done with Latinx families on how ADHD is recognized and how that relates to cultural values and gender norms, many Latinx families have told us that there is an expectation that boys will be boys and boys being kind of raucous or overactive is just sort of a part of boys being boys. Um, There's also some gender role norms with what boys are expected to do. So little boys in Latinx families may not be expected to do tasks like their own morning routine or chores. Whereas we see with girls, it's more expected that they behave, that they are polite, and that they help out with household chores. There's something called the gender paradox that applies to ADHD which means because a disorder is more likely diagnosed in one gender over the other. So we know that ADHD is more common in boys than girls. The gender paradox means that when we see that disorder in the less prevalent gender, so when we see ADHD in girls, it tends to look extra rare, extra concerning. Right. So one parent actually told us, you know, my little girl, she looks like a boy. She's so active. She rough houses. She doesn't get her chores done. And that's just an example of how gender roles and family values uh, common in Latinx families can play a role in this understanding and treatment of ADHD.
0: What are some barriers when it comes to trying to get treatment, and is medication generally accepted within the Latino community?
1: There are a lot of barriers for getting uh, evidence-based ADHD treatment in general, as well as related to families who may have less access to insurance or healthcare status, which we know that Latinx families in the United States are underinsured and have less access to care than Caucasian families, for example. And then there are also cultural barriers that two evidence-based treatments for ADHD are medication, behavioral treatment, or a combination of both, right? In general, traditionally, these services need health insurance and need a visit to a specialized mental health professional, like a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Anyone who doesn't have health insurance, anyone who doesn't have the ability to travel and make an appointment at the specialized clinic um, is going to have a harder time seeking services. We also know that in Latinx populations, medication tends to be less accepted than behavioral treatment. So Latinx families uh, prefer to at least start with behavioral treatment or use behavioral treatment in combination with medication. Again, the cultural barriers related to stigma also play a role into a barrier for ADHD services. So all of that said, really what this tells us is one of the best ways that we can overcome some of these barriers so that Latinx families can receive evidence-based ADHD services is focusing on bringing behavioral treatment into settings that have less barriers. So for example, training school clinicians to do behavioral treatment so that anyone in the public school system can receive that treatment without needing insurance, without needing to travel to a specialized clinic, without even needing a diagnosis which carries a lot of stigma.
0: And are the diagnostic tools and criteria used by clinicians, are those adequate when diagnosing ADHD in Latinos?
1: So most often ADHD is diagnosed by a symptom inventory. So parents and hopefully teachers basically check off if the 18 ADHD symptoms are happening or not. This is not a sufficient tool for diagnosis for any child, uh, let alone children who may have more access barriers like Latinx children. So for an actual ADHD diagnosis, you not only need to show the presence of symptoms, you also need to show the presence of impairment related to those symptoms. So we need to also be asking about how those symptoms are impacting the child at school, at home, and with the child's friends. If clinicians use an impairment measure that has been validated with the Latinx population, then that is getting closer to being sufficient. For example, in my work, we have created and validated a impairment and functioning measures with Spanish-speaking Latinx families. Uh, One scale is called the ADHD FX scale. The other is called the FX2 scale. And so our recommendation is that clinicians use those impairment measures and functioning measures alongside symptom inventories so that we are getting adequate assessment for all children.
0: So there are a lot of other assessments and tools that you can
1: utilize when diagnosing. There are tools available. I wouldn't say there's a lot. Um, We basically had to create those because there wasn't anything available that was validated for Spanish-speaking Latinx families, but there are some. It's just that many people don't use them.
0: What would you say are some important cultural considerations that professionals need to be aware of when they're diagnosing or treating Latinos?
1: One of the main considerations is how are these ADHD symptoms impacting the child? And is this a relevant construct for the family? So even if the family is not saying that symptoms, particularly of hyperactivity are concerning, what are they concerned about? Why did they seek your help in the first place? Is the child underperforming at school? Is the child not completing tasks and routines at home? And then when you're talking to that family, can you, ascertain if those difficulties are indeed coming from ADHD, even if the family didn't endorse those on a symptom inventory. So again, that that's my number one recommendation is really thinking about how ADHD might be impacting the family in a way that is concerning and relevant to them.
0: You mentioned that a big form of treatment is medication, but also uh, behavioral treatment. Let's say a Latino parent does not want their child on any medication. Is it okay for them to just have behavioral
1: treatment? So the research actually suggests that families start with behavioral treatment. And then if they do at the end of treatment still see that the child is exhibiting difficulties, you can do a medication evaluation. But oftentimes those children need less of a dose or they might not even need medication at all after the behavioral treatment. So I would say unless you're seeing really extreme cases where the child is being unsafe, for example, it is perfectly fine and in fact advisable to start with just behavioral treatment.
0: Speaking of parents, what does the parent's involvement look like in treatment, whether it's medication or behavioral?
1: The parents are very involved, particularly in behavioral treatment. So the Number one core element of behavioral treatment for ADHD is parent training. So basically, parents learn how to give very effective instructions, how to set up effective routine systems, and then how to praise and reinforce the child for following those behaviors and those routines. The other part of behavioral treatment can be classroom management, so having the teacher set very clear expectations for the child and then reward the child and praise the child for following those expectations. We're also seeing some evidence that child skills groups can be effective in combination with parent training and or classroom management. So really for behavioral treatment, the the key to success is getting the people in the child's environment to be really consistent and clear with their expectations, be really consistent and frequent with the reinforcement for the child following those expectations.
0: So it sounds like a multimodal form of ADHD management is very important.
1: Absolutely. That's what what the research is showing kind of across the board, that a multimodal approach works the best for most kids for the longest period of time.
0: Is there anything else that
1: you would like to share or add I guess I would like to add that the research shows us once we get these services in the hands of Latinx families and they can participate in their preferred language with other folks around them of the same background, they attend services at the same rate, they adhere to the strategies at the same rate, and they have the same effectiveness results as the original treatments were designed with. So what's really important is making sure we have these services available in Spanish in Latinx communities so that folks have the ability to participate and see the same positive results as we've seen in other settings.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Hack.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
0: Stay up to date on the latest ADHD information by connecting to our social media page at chad.org social.